from Best in the World Sports and Total Sports Live, you are listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. And here's your host, John Brown. What's going on, y'all? We're back on the Best in the World Sports Report. John Brown, my main man, Mike Jones here. Mike, what's good? Oh, man, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood for the first time all season. And when I mean season, I mean season of Best in the World, season five. We now have two, three, well, three now, three professional sports in their regular season. With football season, when we started, baseball season was wrapping up. We really didn't want to talk about baseball season because Phillies really didn't give us much to talk about. But now we have Eagles, we have Sixers, we have Flyers. We are going to talk Eagles and we are going to talk Sixers on the show today. This week, Sixers ticked off their season. In Boston, people were excited, people were happy, the return of basketball, um, a lot of excitement. That excitement did not last because the Sixers got beat in their season opener by 18 points to the Boston Celtics. When my man Mike came in, and as you all know, we record this show in my basement. So Mike came down the stairs and I turned and looked at him with a forlorn, forlorn, forlorn. I was, see, I'm over here trying to he use looks sad. Yeah, I look sad. <laughs> I looked at Mike with a very sad look, with a very disappointed look. He said, how you doing? I said, I'm doing better than the Sixers because I wished for a better result. And what did you ask me, Mike? Were you actually expecting something different? And I said to you, I said, no, I was not expecting something different, but I was hoping for something different. Sixers lose. They dropped a season opener to Boston. <sighs> Man. Joel Embiid, 37 minutes, 23 points, 9 of 21 from the field, 1 of 4. One of four painful, painfully looking three-point shots. He made one of them. Simmons, 43 minutes, 19 points, 15 rebounds, eight assists. Shot five for 11 from the free throw line. Got to the got to the free throw line 11 times, which is something that you like, that you want from your point guard. Wish he made more. Markel Fultz now inserted into the starting lineup. And this is something I would like to talk to you a little bit about. I wanted to start start this uh, first because... All right, let's go. Because this is something I kind of got into. I want to shout out my man, my man Tony from the uh, Philly Influencer team because he had wrote written an article. He had spoke about it on Philly Influencer this week. Uh, he was not a fan of Brett Brown inserting Markel Fultz into the starting lineup because he felt like he hadn't earned that position. He felt like that position belonged to J.J. Redick, and J.J. Redick had not played in a way that would lose that position. I disagree because I feel like you don't draft a number a, a guy number one to come off the bench in year two. I am asking you, do you have a problem with Markel Fultz starting or Brett Brown's decision to put Markel Fultz in the starting lineup to start the season. You want the short answer or the long answer? Dude, this is not one-on-one with MJ. (laughs) I have longer than 56 minutes. You give me whatever answer you want. All right. So let's see. Here's the thing. 
Now, you said your friend had the issue because he didn't feel like Markel Fultz earned the spot mm -hmm. or that J.J. Reddick's play had warranted being on the bench. Mm -hmm. That makes no sense to me. How so? Because we're at game one. Nobody's played anything. Mm -hmm. This is a different season than last year. J.J. Reddick is a year older. Markel Fultz is a year more developed. And the only person who's seen what these current players are really capable of is Brett Brown. Mm -hmm. So if he feels that Markel, Markel Fultz is a better fit, a better decision to start for the team, mm -hmm. then that's his, that's his decision. He is – Markel, when I say he, is a player who has all the physical ability and talent that you need. He has every bit of it. Mm -hmm. He, the quickness, the se he can be your second ball handler. He can run an offense. He used to be able to shoot, <laughs> but on paper mm -hmm. he he's what you want out there, mm -hmm. as opposed to Reddick, who's a limited defender and a pretty much one-dimensional one offensive mm -hmm. player. So let me ask you this real quick. and this, I want the short answer on this one. Okay. Are you a believer or supporter of analytics? Not How in do you basketball. Feel? Not in basketball? Okay. I like yeah. analytics. You just, like it, but just I, not in basketball? Just not in basketball. Okay. All right. So I, I feel like there's there are two different – well, I, won't, I don't want to say two different arguments, but I think there's an argument to be made because – Markel Fultz. I look at I looked at the stat sheet and I see Markel Fultz at a minus sixteen on the night. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I see it and I understand that there are going to be people who don't who people who aren't fans of Markel Fultz who will look at that minus sixteen mm -hmm. and say you know use that as part of their reason as to why he shouldn't be starting. But look, I went to what, what are the plus minuses on the rest of the starters? Well, the whole everybody's down because they lost. So, that, that, you know, everyone's that, at a that, minus. That's, that's kind of what I mean. Yeah, you, you can't just isolate a minus. And, I, and mm -hmm. the plus minus is a stat that I I will use that one. Mm -hmm. it, it's a it's a good indicator of what's happening while the player's on the court. Okay, whether the team is the team is trending up while you're on the court or trending down while you're on the court. That's mm -hmm. a good one. Well, I'll put it, I'll put it to you like this. All right, all right. Um. And I'll just go. We'll just go with the starters. Okay. Because Fultz was a minus sixteen. Mm -hmm. Sarge was a minus four, but he played limited minutes because he was in foul trouble most of the night. Uh, Covington minus eleven. Mm-hmm. Embiid minus eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, Embiid and Simmons both minus eight. Okay. But I guess so. The whole starting mm -hmm. lineup was in the negative. Yes. Well, they lost, so the whole starting line is going to – Well, well, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. Your starting lineup could be but positive more than and your bench could blow a game for mm -hmm. you. That's true. Well, so that's this, why – Well, this loss was – This loss was – But the, the rest of the starters team as were. a whole blew that game. Because well, if but, I were to see a situation where Embiid's a plus 10, Simmons is a plus 6, Covington's a push, mm -hmm. Sarich is a plus 2, plus 4, and then I see Markell as a minus 16, that makes me nervous. Mm -hmm. When I look at the st the team and see everyone in that starting lineup as a negative, the team had a in bad fact, night. As as of right now, well, the, I shouldn't say as of right now because it's the final. The whole team is minus. Nobody's yeah, plus on that, that team, and, and that's why I said, that's why I asked mm -hmm. because when I see that, 
that's the whole team that had a bad mm-hmm. night. But I think it, that but you that, can't isolate one player on a night like that. But I think that speaks to my point because I think people will look at the stat sheet, people will look at the box score, see Markel Fultz, see uh, excuse me, two of seven from the field, oh, uh, and no three points, no three pointers attempted, mm-hmm. and then see a minus sixteen and say, oh boy, here we go again, as kind of their argument as against Markel Fultz, especially when you're sitting here and you're looking acro- and you look across the box score mm-hmm. and you see Jason Tatum have a game. You're right. Now I can I can absolutely make some strong arguments against Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. Just I wouldn't plus minus wouldn't be the one. But what I'm saying is actually I, guess, I wouldn't use stats at all to make that argument. Okay. But I think in at this point, because I know I know where you stand as far as whether or not he was the right pick. Mm-hmm. And that's for another discussion. Because as as of right now, he's here. He's here. He's here. Right pick, who, wrong pick, yeah, he's here. He's, he's what here. you got. So given that even though we're talking game one of 82, Mm -hmm. and I understand that we cannot make, and we're not going to make, you know, these sweeping drastic revelations after game one of 82. However, from what you saw, how much of what you saw from Markel Fultz would you just say, hey, man, last night just wasn't his night, and they were playing the best team in the East? Possibly, possibly... One of the top three teams in in the NBA. How much of it would I? How, how much to would that? you say? How much would you say is hey man, bad team against a bad 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 game against a good team? Or how much are you saying? Hey, you know what? That just is who he is. I wouldn't attribute any of it to being just a bad game okay. against a good team. Okay, why? And see, this is why I say I wouldn't use stats or analytics to make my argument against mm-hmm. Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm looking at when I see when I watch the game mm-hmm. are things that will never show up in the analytics. Okay. For example, when you're in on offense and you miss a shot or two, after that, you start hiding on offense. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, you're moving away from the ball and hiding out in the corner. There's a lack of aggression and a lack of competitiveness. There's a lack of intensity. These are the things I'm looking at. Those are the things I would use to make my argument. If you wanted to make an argument against faults, Mm. those would be the things I use. It wouldn't be a plus-minus line. Mm. So so now, are those things – Given what you saw, because you, I mean, this is who, is this who he is? He's a kid. Mm-hmm. At 20, 21 years old, he's got a lot of growing, maturing to do, both physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, James Lewis III, hosted Lance J Radio Show on. NBC Sports out in Phoenix, actually. Mm-hmm. We were having... What, what time out in Phoenix? Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. I, I come on my show every week and plug Best in the World, so he <laughs> most definitely can plug your show on this show. But he and I were having a conversation earlier, and the question came up, 
talking about, you know, what what was going on with these guys. Mm-hmm. And he sends me the text immediately. Fultz is a bust and starts laughing. Mm-hmm. He's not a Sixers fan. He's not a Philly guy. Mm-hmm. But good friend of mine, good yeah. guy. Okay. But this is the conversation. And my immediate response was, you know how I feel about the pick, but it's way too soon to call him a bust. Mm-hmm. He's still a 20-year-old kid with lots of developing. He's still in front of him. There may come a point in the next couple months, year, where things click for him mentally. But right now, it just seems, and I will say this quite freely, basketball is a sport you need a degree of ego to play. Okay. Like you absolutely, and I don't simply mean confidence. You need a degree of ego mm-hmm. to be a, especially a high level player. Mm-hmm. Some some guys are more tactful at how they convey it, but name me a great player who didn't, didn't have an ego. No. Didn't have an ego. No, you're, you're and not in basketball. No, no, you're no, you're absolutely right, and I feel like even the. Even the ones that people might say don't have an ego, have an ego. Okay. Like I th- like I th- I think I think there are people who try to say that LeBron does not have an ego, and I think that's absolutely wrong. I think LeBron. Have you ever has- heard LeBron talk? No, that's that's my point. Oh yeah, that's why that's yeah, why I say yeah. there's some who are more tactful yeah, in how they can. Yeah. No, no, we're definitely that. on the right because what I'm saying, like I, I've heard that argument made about Le, like LeBron does not have that, and I'm like, you're absolutely wrong. LeBron has an ego. Absolutely. Every you know, LeBron, Steph Curry, uh, mm-hmm. um, Durant, Durant, uh, Kobe, mm-hmm. Shaq, mm-hmm. you know, even Magic t- and Bird, Magic and Bird, Doc. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all of them. Jordan, of course, Jordan. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think even to Hakeem. <laughs> like, and simply, mm-hmm. as simple as I can put it, mm-hmm. there's a reason for you, that need of ego. Mm-hmm. Little stuff like that shot five feet behind the three point line mm-hmm. or that quick move by, to go by the defender and dunk on him. Mm-hmm. If I hesitate for a second, mm-hmm. it's probably not, not going to work. Happen. Not going to happen. No, long so, move, a long move is the wrong move. So I need to have that ultimate confidence. I can take this shot. I can make this shot, and have no hesitation in doing mm-hmm. it. The more comfortable you feel doing that in that role, the greater your odds of success. Agreed. Hence, Agreed. hence my statement: you need a little bit of an ego because mm-hmm. if you lack it. You might start questioning stuff. Start doubting yourself. No, and exactly. Start, start. So I guess because, and just like I said, I think whether the legitimacy and whether or not this was the right move is a conversation for another day because he's here. Mm-hmm. He's our guy, and this is game one of 81. Do you think that this is something that he could develop? Can? Yes. Okay. I mean, honestly, because uh, at this pay, point, because I stress the, the word can. can. No, I understand. I understand that you can't say will. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. And I respect that because I because that's not something that either of us can predict. Yeah. But nonetheless, the fact that we believe that he could, mm-hmm. that's enough. That's all I need at this point. The conversation, you know, the temperament, 
how I feel could change, but it's still game one of 82. Game one of 82. So therefore, I'm like, look, you know what? I'm trying to decipher mm-hmm. at this point what, you know, as much as I can, what this team is, who this team is. No, mm-hmm. it's all good. I guess. So when I look at the things that stood out to me, you know, and I want to ask, I want to ask you because I respect your basketball mind. I like having you on this show because I respect your basketball mind well, you. and your basketball acumen. You know, thank what I mean? you. I because, appreciate that. No, it's all good, man. It's, I, I like challenging you. <laughs> you know, I, I, and some, I, and there are times when I like telling you you're wrong more than I actually think you're wrong. <laughs> It's like there there have been times when I've agreed with you and I just you feel gonna like tell me I'm, I'm wrong just anyway. going to tell you you're wrong just, just to start something. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you something. Three things that kind of stood out to me okay. in that game last night. Fultz's shooting, the bench scoring, mm-hmm. and turnovers. Okay. Of those things, what worries you the most? What worries you the least? What worries me the least is turnovers. Mm-hmm. What worries me the most mm-hmm. Is bench score. Okay. Faults, that is what it is. I can't be worried about that. Mm, okay. He's a piece that if he works out, great. If he doesn't, team still has to work. Bench scoring, regardless of who the player is, is something you need. And right now, you've got JJ Reddick who can give you a little pop off the bench. Mm-hmm. And that's probably about it. Mm-hmm. Wilson Chandler, who didn't play last night, mm-hmm. is not a real offensive player. Mm-hmm. He's a good, solid player, but yeah. he's not a scorer. No. T.J. McConnell, not a scorer. Who else are we looking at? Mike Muscala, who didn't mm-hmm. play last night. Not a scorer. He could shoot a little bit at the four spot, but mm-hmm. not a real score. But to me, I feel like that that in itself is why I like the Reddick move. Exactly. You need, because you, you need, need, you need off somebody bench. off your bench who can score. And just like we've talked about before, it's not like – I feel like there should be a level of dedication to the people you draft, especially when you're talking about a kid that young, a, a kid as young as folks, whereas – you still, you still need to see if he can if he can be the guy. That's true. You now, still now th- now they they see him every day. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily hold to the philosophy that you need a level of dedication, because you get to the point where you you just decide that he's not the right guy or he's not the right fit mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Move him. Okay, but I guess but this is this is where I disagree with you, to an extent. I feel like. At game one of 82, mm-hmm. you're not going – unless he is a complete and utter dumpster fire, you haven't seen that yet. Oh, you're not going to trade somebody after well, game no, one. I, oh, no, no, no. I'm not even talking if about it, trading him. I'm talking about just to the point where you don't feel like you can start him. I feel like you don't draft a guy number one overall to have him sit in the bench game one of season two. I would like to think that, but – Honestly, I disagree. Okay. I miss the days where guys used to sit on the bench. And mm. 
the, the not because I didn't want to see them play, mm -hmm. but the reason they were sitting on the bench was because there were more developed players in mm -hmm. front of them, regardless of mm -hmm. where they got picked. Mm -hmm. The league just and, and, I, and this is not a guys aren't as good at conversation. Mm -hmm. This is a they're just six more teams than there used to be conversation. Okay. So take imagine if you took six teams out the league mm -hmm. and took their best talent, spread it through out. the rest of the team, mm -hmm. and then just take the bottom talent off those teams and get it out the league. Every team is significantly improved, which means guys coming in, trying to get jobs, trying to get spots, mm -hmm. have to work a whole lot harder to get out there. So, so I that's what I mean when I say I miss what guys used to. Yeah, but un un unfortunately, though, you know, and especially though when you're taking kids who are 19 and drafting them on potential mm -hmm. and upside i have no idea what you are as a pro mm -hmm. i hopefully you played at a good enough program that played against good enough competition where i may have some inkling of what kind of player you'll be but i never know because mm -hmm. you're you're playing against inferior competition mm -hmm. Which is why I absolutely hated guys coming from high school straight to the league, because it's impossible to judge mm -hmm. what a player is going to be based on high school. Yeah. Okay, think about where you think about your high school. Yeah. How many players from from your high school went to the pros? None. And that's true for most high schools. Mm -hmm. So, if I go through typical high school league in that entire league you may have say if it's a 12 team league and it's a good league you may have two or three guys who end up playing d1 mm -hmm. maybe and maybe if you're lucky one guy who gets a sniff at the pros mm -hmm. so if i'm a pro talent in high school 6'6", six, six, athletic guard, mm -hmm. going to get some 5'8", 5'9", kid who just wanted to get a Letterman jacket so he could look cool for the girls. It's That's not a talent evaluation. That's a massacre. No, I understand. Like, so there's a reason you see guys who, for all those years where they were taking those high school players and one and duns that mm -hmm. were so many times bust. You can't evaluate. It's like if I go play against some junior high kids, mm -hmm. like go get myself in shape, work out. They say, yeah, I'm going to go play junior high ball. Them kids ain't got nothing on me. Mm -hmm. Like they're just not ready for it. No, I understand. That's, that's basically what you're looking at with these mm -hmm. high, top prospects against high school competition. And – if you, even if you're at a smaller college or in a, not as strong a league, not playing tough as tough competition, mm. it's hard to evaluate. It is hard to evaluate. But getting so, but but tying this back into the, with the Sixers and mm -hmm. their youth, and basically the team, the team that they have set forth, the team that they that they now have. I mean, at some point, you just gotta let the kids play. I think you gotta you have you have to see what you have. I think now I will say normally that is a term that I've gone on record as saying I absolutely hate in sports. The we gotta see what we have. Mm 
Mm-hmm. But some, I think if there was a case where it fits, I think that is right here where it is with Fultz. Whereas we have to see what he what he can become. And at game one of eighty two, mm-hmm. here we are at the first here we are at the first week of the season, the first couple of games in the season. I think it's like it's too young it's too early to make anything other than, hey, you know what? It, but, it just wasn't his night. True. But if the coach just sits there and says, you know what? Mm-hmm. Maybe this kid isn't quite ready to start. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to it in a couple weeks, a mm-hmm. couple months. Well, uh, uh, I, that doesn't bother me. No, that do, that doesn't bother me. That it, and, I, and I don't necessarily think that means he gave up on the kid. No, as much as he just reevaluated his game. But right? I th- I think. Well, before I say that, let me ask you a question: What do you think of Brett Brown as a talent evaluator? Do you like him? Do you think? His opinion leaves a lot to be desired. What do you think of him as a talent evaluator? I don't know. He's never really been in a situation where that was what he had to do. Mm -hmm. Coach, not the GM. He's not picking the players. He's not signing the contracts. Mm -hmm. He's not running the scouting department. Mm -hmm. And in San Antonio, he was player development, which, again, He's not doing all those things. He's the guy that once they bring the talent to him, he'll help make them better. Mm -hmm. But talent evaluation, I I think he recognizes what good talent when he sees it. But true talent evaluation is as much an art as it is a skill. So would you say that this is the first true opportunity when you're seeing – when I feel like with Embiid, with a, with a player like Embiid, mm-hmm. you know, it's a no-brainer. You put him in when he's ready. Simmons the same way. Fultz was a different case. Might not be a might not necessarily be a number one pick. Might not, you know, jury's still out. Conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. He's here. He's here. At this point, apparently, Brett has seen enough. To say, hey, this guy can start. This guy can give us what we need off the bench, and I'm going to put, you know, maybe, maybe not. Okay. And I say that from the standpoint that good culture mm-hmm. recognizes you need scoring off the bench. Mm-hmm. It could honestly, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is what it is. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. not. I haven't had any conversations with Brett Brown, mm-hmm. but. It is a possibility. I don't think Brett Brown would want to talk to you, man. He might. I, I think we. I think we'd have a good time. I don't know. I, I think you might press his buttons a little bit. You know, <laughs> like at some point, like yo, yo, who is this guy? But what I what I was mm. my point though. What I was saying is that I do, I do think that it's not outside of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. that Brett Brown would start. Reddick over Fultz because he knows Reddick can't give him the offense off the bench. Mm-hmm. Not Reddick, excuse me, Fultz oh, yeah. can't be that scorer off the bench because he's not ready to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to put him in the in with the first five where he doesn't have to carry the offense rather than the second five where he would have to carry the offense. Okay. So that could be the case as much as I think he's the better player. Sometimes the best option for the team is to bring the better player off the bench. Mm-hmm. Do you think J.J. Redick understands that? 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. J.J. Reddick's been a six-man multiple times in his career. He absolutely understands exactly. how things like that exactly. work. Exactly, and I think that's what that's what makes this, this move work. I think because Reddick's – one, I, I like the veteran presence that Reddick brings to this team. Absolutely. I like it. And I think Reddick is one of the – is a shining example of what happens to a team when you put the right amount of veterans, the right veteran on your team, the effect that it has. You know, because you can see – you've seen what the wrong veterans, what the wrong mix of people can do for a team. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen that before. I like what Reddick brings. I don't think Reddick was the dude that was going to get up, you know, get bent out of shape about this. Because even in last yeah. night's, even in last night's game, yes, Fultz starting. Reddick was on the floor to start the second half. Mm-hmm. Reddick played more minutes. Mm-hmm. Reddick got more shots. Reddick took more shots. Reddick made more shots. So you know, for and, me- and that honestly is one of the advantages of being that six man in the offensive mm-hmm. spark off the bench. You get the green light. Mm-hmm. Lou Williams, he's a guy who thrives in that six-man yes. role. Yes. Because Lou Williams wants to come in the game and put shots up. Mm-hmm. Jamal Crawford thrives in that six-man role. Yes. Because Jamal Crawford is a guy exactly. who wants to come in the game and put shots up. Exactly. And you need you need a guy like that. Mm-hmm. It, every good bench, every good team has at has least it. one player off the bench that mm-hmm. can get you buckets. Exactly. Exactly. I think as far as the bench goes, as far as things that I'm wor- I'm worried about, I bench scoring, I ne- I still need to see what happens. I want to see what Muscala and Chandler bring to this team. I want to see what they what what type of presence they because I feel I feel like the additions of those two, mm-hmm. although they might not necessarily bring points, I like what they bring defensively. And if I might be able I might be willing to accept fewer points from your bench if you're giving up fewer points. You're making a face. Tell me why you're making that face. Explain that to me. Because I need my bench to be able to do both. Because mm-hmm. as a coach, I go to my bench mm-hmm. situationally as much as rotationally. And what I mean by that is of course you have some guys who are supposed to get their minutes. Mm-hmm. But there will also be times where I'll be looking at a game and say, ooh, my starting two can't make a shot. Ooh, our offense is stagnant. Mm-hmm. Man, we're not hitting the outside shot tonight. And I need to be able to find those things to provide a spark. So if I look at my bench and say, ooh, he's, that guard is killing us. I want somebody who can play defense. But if I look at, the, if I look at the, my bench and say, Man, that guard on the other team is weak defensively coming off their bench. I want somebody who can give me buckets. So I, you need a little bit of everything off the bench. Now, look, I understand you can't have a bench unit that is completely inept <laughs> at scoring. But what I'm saying is I feel like what Ilyasova – and Bellinelli gave you last year offensively. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping Muscala and uh, Chandler can give you defensively, as well as give you some semblance of buckets. And see, what, now, the last part of what you said is the key: mm-hmm. is that they give you some semblance of buckets. Because mm-hmm. let's let's be honest, this is the NBA. 
You got to score. You, you're yeah. not going to shut people out. Yeah. So you got to get buckets. Yeah. No, I understand. I completely understand. And and I agree with you because I'm not saying that I need well, I would even be cool with a bench unit that just can't score at all. What we what we got last night was unacceptable. From the bench was unacceptable. But however, I I'm not quite sure if I'm ready if I'm at cause of concern yet. Because once again, we're still in week one of the season. I want to see how they follow up because Boston is a better team, and that's something else I want. That's something else I want to talk to as as we pivot this conversation okay. forward. Let's talk more about Boston because right now, Boston Boston's that team in the East. Would you agree with true or false? Boston yeah. is that team. Mm-hmm. Whether or not Toronto is better than the Sixers remains to be seen. True, true or false? Or are you are I, I believe it's unproven. We haven't seen them yet. Okay. This, would you this would you would you have put Toronto. Boston ahead? Of, would you have put Boston ahead of the Sixers before they played last night? Yes. Okay. But you're not going to say the same about Toronto. No. Okay. Good. I, that I understand. So let me ask you this: You watched that game. Do you? And this is kind of a piggyback off of what we talked about last week when we were talking about the effects of winning and losing in a game. When we were talking about Minnesota and mm-hmm. the Sixers. Do you feel like having lost the way that they did, given the way that their season ended a little bit, do you believe that the Celtics are in the Sixers' heads? Yes. Okay, why? But I thought that last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's – now when I say in their heads, I don't want to say that, say that from the standpoint of the Sixers don't believe – they're capable of beating Boston. I don't think they. No. I don't think they've gotten to okay. that point. Yet. No, I. And let let me just interject because I I agree with you. I think that the Sixers can. I, I think the Sixers believe that they can beat Boston, mm-hmm. and I think the fact that they haven't is what frustrates them. The fact that they. I I don't believe that the Sixers fear Boston at all. I don't think. I don't, I don't think th- they I, fear them. I don't think they fear them. I don't think they're intimidated. Whatever word that you want to attach here. Okay. But I don't I think the fact that they haven't beaten them and the fact that they the the way that they have consistently lost, I think that frustrates them. I think they're frustrated by the fact that they keep on losing. I would I might actually go a little further than that. Okay, go ahead. Um what I would say is that I would actually go as far as to say that the six, when I say Boston is in the Sixers' head, mm-hmm. I would say the Sixers are probably at a point now where while they believe they might be able to beat Boston, mm-hmm. I think they also recognize that Boston has a better team than them mm-hmm. right now. Okay. And that is is a mental challenge that has to be overcome as well as anything. I'll be the first person to tell you any sports, especially basketball, if you step on the court thinking they're better than you or you're not going to win, you already lost. Do you think there's but do you think that there's a difference between that? Now, do you think there's is there is there a difference between saying, "Hey, you know what? Acknowledging that a team is better than you and can you beat them?" Can you believe, like, hey, you know what? They are a better team. Like, but I think okay. we can beat them. 
they you know is, All right. is there a difference? Yeah, there's a difference. Okay. Like there are teams that you can look at and be like, you know, they're better than us, mm-hmm. but if we do this right, we do that right. Mm-hmm. Yes. We execute exactly. certain things, mm-hmm. we could beat them. And then there are teams that you look at and be like, I don't care what we do, we just can't beat them. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Sixers look at Boston at that level yet where okay. they say, yes. I don't care what we do, we mm-hmm. just can't beat them. Mm-hmm. But I, if you're going to be honest with yourselves, mm-hmm. you have to look at, look at it and say, top to bottom, they have a better roster. Mm-hmm. Boston is deep. Yes. Like, if we're just looking at the top two or three players, mm-hmm. if I'm taking Embiid and Simmons versus Boston's top two players, mm-hmm. I'll probably go with Embiid and Simmons. Though they're generational special talents. Yes. But it doesn't stop there. Mm-hmm. And despite what people think, you can't win with one man in basketball. Never have, never will. Doesn't work. I'll stop you when you're wrong. <laughs> I guess for for me, and once again, this goes back to, you know, the the long story, uh four week history of John and Mike, Mike and John. Mm-hmm. You know, you had talked about on your show about not speaking as a fan. And, you know, and I talked about for me, that's pretty much all we speak on the show. <laughs> fan speak is all we speak because that's all that's all we are. You know, it's like I, I'm not going to front and be, you know, be something I'm not. But for me, I respect and agree with what Embiid and Reddick said about it not being a rivalry yet because – it's not a rivalry. But, no, I understand. I th- it's it's not. I think it's not a rivalry for the players because in their you know for them in their Sixers you know for their you know their Boston Philly experience begins and ends with when they sign the contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. Now for us as fans, for me as a fan, you know, this is lifelong. You know, I've been on both sides. I've seen Sixers teams be, you know, I've seen Sixers win against Boston. I've seen the Sixers lose against Boston a lot more of the latter than the former. But nonetheless, I've seen it. So it's like for me, yes, okay. Mm-hmm. It you know, it it is a rivalry. But because I'm talking for you know, franchise versus franchise. Now, Life, you know, a lifetime of perspective. If I allow myself to delve into fandom for a second. Okay, go ahead. I still don't think it's a rivalry. Why? Because there's, because, because, because there's no back and forth. A rivalry requires back and forth. Boston, if I were to call them anything to Philly, mm-hmm. they're not a rival. They're a nemesis. Okay. Explain the difference. A rival, like I said, it's mm-hmm. – there is almost like – you're a peer, a counterpoint to what where there, there's a there's a question. We're going back and forth. Mm-hmm. The nemesis is just the guy I look at like, man, I got to deal with him again. Mm, I will say that, like, to me, like I think the perfect example of a nemesis was Reggie Miller and the Pacers at the beginning of I, of Iverson's run, when they were losing to the Pacers every year. And you were like, you know, and kind of be- like when you lose fifteen of the last seventeen games. Okay, that's what the Sixers in Boston have done. All right, but that's not a rivalry. I, once again, I think when you when you're talking Sixers, when you're talking Sixers and Celtics, as far as from from a fan spent, I'm talking my whole life. This is more than fifteen to seven. We're 
longer than 15 to 17 games. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a lifetime, so I think that's what makes it a rivalry. As far as this team goes, the team that we're cheering for, the, the 2018-19 Sixers, even, or, or even if you want to call them the process area, you know, era Sixers, whatever you want to call them, whatever you, whatever you want to – Whatever name okay. you want to give to this team, all right. Not a like, okay. Not a, not a rivalry. That, that, here, here's how I look at that. Like, okay. for example, Philly fans, mm-hmm. Eagles fans, mm-hmm. often consider Dallas a rival. Mm-hmm. That's not a rivalry to me. Dallas hasn't been good since the mid '90s, and mm-hmm. when they were, we weren't. Mm-hmm. And from the through the 2000s up until recently. Dallas has pretty much been an eight and eight team every year with Jason Garrett, mm-hmm. and other than and the, the does, Eagles actually fre- being does, out of contention for the division has does been frequency pl- play a part in how you consider what you consider a rivalry. Frequency of how play? often they play, yeah. Like Eagles play Eagles play the Cowboys two times a year every year for my entire life. Mm-hmm. Does the fact that they play they play each other? So even so, even if there are Teams, you know, even when even when there were games, there were seasons where the Eagles weren't good and Cowboys were good, uh-huh. or the Eagles were good. Or excuse me, the Cowboys were good and the Eagles weren't good. There were always there were good games sprinkled in. They weren't always good games. There were plenty of blowouts. Mm-hmm. You know, plenty of bad games. But there were, you know, there were good uh, games. Yeah. Even when even even when teams were struggling. So what I'm asking you is, does the fact that these two teams play two times a year, does the fact, and translate that into Boston and and Philly, where there have been times when the Sixers were good and the Celtics were bad, or a time the Celtics were good, the Sixers were bad, does the fact that they play each other so frequently, they still play each other the most times out of any team in the league, except, well, outside... Uh, oh, outside you know, of the division building. teams, you yeah. pay, play them yeah. twice a does year. Does that factor in? Does that make? The, does that you know? Does that play a part? I'm asking. In your opinion. In my opinion, of course, you're division rivals. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's there's going to be some familiarity, mm-hmm. and as the old expression goes, familiarity breeds contempt. Mm-hmm. So, on to to that note, mm-hmm. s- somewhat, but for me. In recent history, yes, the Giants are more of a rival to the Eagles okay. than the Cowboys are. They're all to me. They're all rivals. I, I don't think you can have. I think you can have more than one rival. I think they all. I think they all play a part. Like, but but like I guess for for me maybe less Toronto just because they're the newest. I'm not you know. Mm-hmm. Raptors been around for twenty something years now, but still, Since you know, 90, 95, 96. Okay, so we're talking twenty three, you know, twenty three years. Mm-hmm. But for me, Boston, yes, Knicks, you know, not they're not in the same division anymore. But uh, back in the day, the Bullets slash Wizards, mm-hmm. you know, those those were the teams. Bulls, maybe you know, eh. But for me, it was always uh, Knicks, Celtics, and Bullets slash Wizards. More bullets than wizards. And during those days of the history you're thinking about, mm-hmm. those teams were usually competitive. Not all. I mean, I Usu- guess usually. Usually, there was some. Okay. Like, like every last one of those teams had some dud seasons. I've got like for example, let's see who's in the Sixers division. Uh, do Do you see the Nets as a rival? No. Why not? I just don't. They're right across the bridge. They are. Well, they used to. They used to be right across in the next state. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they they moved to ride, yeah, they moved ride. to Brooklyn now, but they used to be a train yeah, ride over train in ride Jersey. Over, yeah, train ride away. You, they were the closest team to you geographically. Mm-hmm. No, I, I guess honestly, I mean, it's you played like, them a lot. Mm-hmm. Why wasn't they? Why weren't they a rival? They it's weren't hard. good. Okay, but they were more consistently not good. I mean, they had good. They had okay teams mm-hmm. when they had uh, they had okay teams, but I guess. For me, and a lot of times, like rivalry, I think a lot of that kind of speaks to when you're a kid. Like, I think it, like how like how you view teams when you were a child. Like when I was a kid, the Nets were always bad. Mm-hmm. When the Nets finally really had their best string of games uh, of seasons, maybe at the you know at the turn of the century when it was uh, when it was Jason Kidd and Kenyon Martin, mm-hmm. Keith Van Horn, and all those guys. By then, I was grown. You know, I grew up thinking the Bullets, thinking the Knicks, thinking the Celtics, and to a lesser extent, the Bulls because the Bulls got better as when the Bulls rose to fame. I was a teenager by then. You know, so at this point, they kind they they jumped in. They at were the, the standard. Yeah, they were the standard, but they became the standard as I was old. You know, my you know my mm-hmm. my sports life had been more mature when I was a child. You know, and because I've talked about this on you know, you know, hating Larry Bird since I was six. You know, and understand you know understanding later. You know, hating Larry Bird based on him fighting Doctor J, Got and it. understanding later. The parameters of that fight. Now I have a question what, for you. Okay, go ahead. Here's my question. In fact, you know what? Hold on. Hold on to that question because you and I have been talking for 45 straight minutes. <laughs> Let's take a real quick break and we'll pick right back up with your question, all right? We'll all jump right. right back into that, all right? You're watching Best in the World Sports Report. Shout out to everybody who watches us on Facebook live right now. Once again, hit us up at any time. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at BITW Sports. Once again, that is at BITW Sports. My name is John Brown. My partner in crime, Mike Jones, is here from Lance J Radio. Check him out on one-on-one with MJ on freeagentradio.com, Friday, 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. Pacific time. There you go. SeattleHipHop.com. SeattleHipHop.com. Check out my man, Mike Jones, with... One-on-one with MJ, starring John Brown. (laughs) We're still working on that, but we will be right back on Best in the World Sports Report. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams, go to totalsportslive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know totalsportslive.com. It's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious, and I can quit whenever I want. Just treat me better. After all, we're in this together. To get your high blood pressure to a healthy range, visit heart.org slash blood pressure. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. On, on, y'all. Best in the World Sports Report, John Brown, Mike Jones. Talking sports, talking Philly sports. Here on the Best in the World, the Philly Sports Podcast. Just a reminder, hit us up. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
at any time at BITW Sports and listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday morning on phillygoflow.com. That is at phillygoflow, phillygoflow.com, the grown folks groove, playing all that throwback hip hop, all that classic hip hop, classic R&B, love, and good music, like grown folks music. Go. All right, now let's just jump. Let's, look, let's jump right back into the sports because you said you wanted to ask me a question. I did. Okay, we were talking rivalries. And yes. we, were, we were specifically into Sixers and Celtics. Celtics yes. and you were talking about how Celtics. you hated Bird. Hate Bird. You remembering the fight? Clown. I hate that, that guy. But here's my question. Okay. Now, it was this. It was Doc and those guys. Yes. They were actually a viable championship contender. Yeah. Had it been the Dana Barrow Sixers. Stop. Would, would you really hate it, Bird, to say? When you hit, when you did look at the Sixers as a team that didn't have a chance to win? Would no, that hate well, be the same? Well, I, I think the hate that I had for Boston. Was because they were stopping your team from getting a championship. Because they were stopping my team from, from winning a championship. But at the time, when, when my hate for Boston started when Doc fought Bird. I was seven or eight years old. So at this point, you know, all I knew was Dr. J was the greatest thing known to man. And this guy was fighting him. Mm -hmm. So I hated him. What I'm saying is when Dana Barrows and those pitiful, you know, those those pitiful sixes, those bad six, you know, I'm, I'm a grown man at that point. I'm 18 years old. So yeah, you know, things were different. But I guess, you know, it. you kind of understood, like, to me, I feel like my love for basketball and my love for football developed younger mm-hmm. and, and quicker than baseball. Okay. Like, I, I've been, a, you know, I've, I've loved, like, for me, like, love basketball, I love football, I love baseball, I love the Phillies, I love the Sixers, I love the Eagles. I like the Flyers, but you know, don't ask, you know, don't ask me. Not not in the same aspect as the other th- the other three teams. Mm-hmm. Like I like hockey, I like Flyers, but not like you know, not like the other three. But you know, after '83, you know those, those late '80s teams. You know, I still hated the Mets. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Mets were really good at those times. You know, but, that, those those but the hate was already developed. You what do you mean? I, like you said, you said you still hated them, but you started hating them when? No, I mean I'm saying I always hated them. Okay, but I I always hated them. But as far as like as far as baseball, whereas like that hate kind of developed, you know, over time. Whereas I can pinpoint the exact moment. In my life, when I said when I hated Bird and I hated the Celtics, and I because but, it was like it was it wasn't just it was the fight started it, mm-hmm. and then it was all those years of the Sixers losing. Now, to to uh, now that was kind of my question though, because mm-hmm. when, when I bring up the Dana Barrows, mm-hmm. the Sixers rather than that team, yeah. that's kind of like imagine it. So what if it's not Doc? Because okay. you look at it, Bird fighting Doc, who you mm-hmm. said was. Doc's the greatest in your opinion, in your mind at yeah. that point. Yeah. But what if it's not Doc? What if it's just some bum? Would I still hate Bird? Probably, because Bird is a hateable dude. All right, I'll give you that. <laughs> He's a real hateable guy. <laughs> I, I'm honestly, I I don't know because it's like, 
I mean, I, 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 I guess you I see, see what I'm asking. I like, do. I see what you're saying like how because much I feel like their chance at winning because I well, you know what it, it, because I feel like it's a little bit different because I feel like when you were talking about the Dana Barrows era Sixers mm-hmm. and how bad they were, and although I hated the Boston Celtics, but it was like the Celtics at the time of Dana Barrows's rise. That was the Reggie Lewis. Uh, Celtics, mm-hmm. and it was like probably you know Reggie Lewis is up there on my list of likable Celtics, and there aren't many. He was one, though. you know, but he was one. Reggie, you know, Reggie Lewis. There, there are there are Celtics who I'll never talk bad about. Reggie Lewis is one of them. Bill Russell is the other. You know, n- uh, you know, mm-hmm. I hate the Celtics. I will never ever ever in life. Gosh, you, I understand. Yeah, say Reg- anything. Reggie Lewis was a baller. Yeah, Reggie Lewis was a baller, and it was like I I, I respect my. My father, my father is a, is a historian, and it's like you know he would always he's like I feel like Russell and Wilt are the two guys he used to always talk to me about, and like for me as a fan of basketball, I wanted to look back and you know just read about them mm-hmm. because my father would talk about those two with such reverence, like okay I need you know it's like I never saw them play, but I need to learn you know. I want to learn about these guys. And it's like Russell was the truth, you know, and Wilt was the truth. And these were two bohemians who brought the best out of each, you know, used to go to war with one another. Mm-hmm. So it was like Russell, you know, I'll, ne- I'll never talk about Russell, and, and I'll never talk about Reggie Lewis. But nonetheless, everybody else, just about everybody else, you know, off the table. If you're a Celtic, you're a bum. I hate you when you're with the Celtics. Yes, I will like you. I can I can like you when you leave the Celtics. I can like you before. KG, I grew up liking KG. Once he got to the Celtics, hate KG. Once he left the Celtics, we cool. Paul Pierce, hated Paul Pierce. His whole, his whole Celtics career. You know what? I can't say I necessarily like Paul Pierce in his post-Celtics career, but guess what I did? I tolerated Paul Pierce. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. I tolerated Paul Pierce when he was with, you know, when he was with the Nets and, you know, I, I didn't hate him as much. I just, I allowed Paul, Paul Pierce could coexist. You know, I, all right. You know, you're just, you're just that guy. I, I don't have to care about you anymore. But when he was with the Celtics, when he was wearing that Celtics green, hated Paul Pierce. Know who else I hated? Antoine Walker. Hated him. Couldn't stand him. Just like I, you know, I like Marcus Morris, but I hate him now. He's with the Celtics. Hate him. Marcus Smart. Hate him. Jason Tatum. Hate him. Kyrie Irving is a Duke guy playing for for uh, for the Celtics. There's nothing likable about Kyrie Irving now. <laughs> There's absolutely no redeeming quality about Kyrie Irving. A Duke guy. Y'all got two Duke guys. Two Duke guys playing for the Celtics. There's mm-hmm. absolutely no good that could come from th- from that. Now, once again, I'm talking to you about sports hate. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving's in a car accident on the side of the road. I'm going to help Kyrie Irving. I'm going to help Jason Tatum. But as far as sports, we'll never like them. <laughs> never and I understand and, and and part of it is part of the fact that, that every game they beat up on the Sixers just like they did on Tuesday night you know and it's like it's not hard to realize that the, the Celtics are here and I'm putting my hand up pretty high and the Sixers are here and yes my hand is not as high do I believe that they can do it yeah 
Yes. Will they? I don't know. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of question marks. So what is your biggest question mark? My big, I mean, take your pick. <laughs> take your pick. You're no, you know. What, last, okay. your number, Let bottom, me rephrase okay. the question. Go ahead, go ahead. What do you think it would take for the Sixers to beat Boston? Uh, play better. Uh, what do I think it would take to be, uh, beat Boston? I think, one, I believe not only does Fultz have to give them more consistent scoring, mm-hmm. but I think he has to be the person to lead them defensively. He has to be He has to be that. Just you, uh, at this point, because me and you have been talking all night long, <laughs> and, and at this, I, I can't remember which show we talked about it on, but we talked about Ben Simmons' uh, deficiencies defensively mm-hmm. and the fact that Ben Simmons be as good as he is offensively as a 6'10 point guard even without the jump shots or whatever he is not going to be able to guard a Terry Rozier right that has to be Markel Fultz okay can he do it and right now yes because I understand we're talking game one of 82 that answer is no so you're saying the pressure is on Markel. The pr- there's enough pressure to go around. Every aspect of that, every aspect of that Sixers team, if they're going to beat the Boston Celtics, has to be better. Ben Simmons has to be better. Markel Fultz has to be better. Joel Embiid has to be better. That bench has to be better. They have to be. They have to be healthy. So if everything needs to be better, that sounds like you're saying you don't think the Sixers are ready to win yet. Ready to win it all? No. Not ready to win the East. Not ready to win it all. Okay. So all right. So why are we so worked up? Because you know it's a podcast. Ready. Because that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the podcast. I'm talking about that <laughs> sad, emotional look on your face when I walked in your house tonight. Because my team <laughs> lost. Because we've been waiting 40-something weeks for more basketball. And the first taste of regular season professional basketball that I got was my squad getting beat by 18 points by a team I have hated since I was seven years old. <laughs> That is why that's the emotion on my face. That's why it's there. Now look, you that's you know, where does it come from? It's like, look, reality is not that hard of a pill to swallow. That doesn't mean I want to swallow that pill. <laughs> it means, look, I can do it. Just give it to me in a cup of water and I'll take it. But it's like, yeah, you know what? Boston is better. Mm-hmm. Boston is and and but now there's still there are still things we have to get back to them. You know, it's like in the end, the true test will be in the playoffs if the Sixers get there. Well, I think we, I, and I think, and I'm, I'm not even trying to like remotely say the Sixers will be a playoff yeah, team. Yeah, they're going to be a playoff team. But the bottom line is, you know, the ultimate conversation of are the Sixers better than Boston? That's way down the line because this is still week one and we still do not know if this Mm -hmm. team is better than Toronto or how or have other teams jumped the Sixers like who Indiana (laughs) and I but what in the end you got to tip the ball up you do you know you got to see and it's like 
Yeah, anybody watching me, watching at home, yeah, yeah, saw, you, you saw yeah, me you start laughing when you said Indiana. Yeah, Indiana. I'm, 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 and I'm just throwing out, honestly, I'm just throwing out names, like, mm-hmm. you know, from playoff teams from last year. You know, Milwaukee, Detroit, Miami. And, or, or, Milwaukee. Or, I'll, so, I'll, so I'll give so, you Milwaukee. So, so then, they actually then let me talent. ask you this. So are you saying that basically it's a lot – no, top three teams in the league. Top th- not the league. Excuse me. Top three teams in the East: Boston, Toronto, Philly. Boston, Toronto, Philly. Boston number one. Toronto, Philly. Top right now. Even even right now. Even. Yeah, they're they're one, fighting out two, the two, two and three spots. Yeah, two and two A right now. Boston is Toronto and Philly. That's that sounds right to me. Okay. And everyone and Boston, Toronto, Philly, and five other teams. Is that what you're saying? The East? No, is? I'm saying Boston, Toronto, Philly. Mm-hmm. Then you got to step down next mm-hmm. tier. Okay, you're looking at Milwaukee mm-hmm. and possibly Indiana in that mix, mm-hmm. and then whoever the bottom three are, they're okay. irrelevant. Okay, they're just irrelevant okay. at this point. Okay, all right. Well, look, bottom line is still a lot of basketball left to play. But I can only go off what I have seen so far. And what I saw was an 18-point loss to a team I hate. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a little bit of emotion on my face. But, look, you know, there's room to feel better. There's a lot of – 81 more games. 81 more times for me to feel better. All right? Well, you play Boston three more times, so – we don't Probably play. We don't play Boston again until Christmas. So look, we, uh, so that's what I get to look forward to. I get to look forward to Boston ruining Christmas. But I'm gonna eat good though. <laughs> so so it is what it. I'm gonna eat good, and I don't have to worry about that being the very first game. I thought it sucked when the Sixers were the first game on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Like I need I need. That's that's the next step. You know they get a Christmas get they get a Chris, second Christmas Day game in a row. Mm-hmm. Now I need them to be on actual. I want an ABC game, not one of those pre those early ESPN games or the late night TNT games. I want an I want an ABC. I want a Channel Six game. That's what I need. Okay. All right. That prime time. That prime time game, and I understand that the Sixers aren't there yet, but that's what I need the next couple of years. All right. Okay. All right. Let's take another quick break and let's shift to the NFL because we've been talking Sixers for about an hour and there's still football. It's always football. We still got the defending world champions and we got to talk about them. All right. So let's take another quick break and we will come back and we will talk. Philadelphia Eagles on the best in the world sports report. We'll be right back. I'm John Brown. That's Mike Jones. Best in the world at BITW Sports. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. You are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams. Go to totalsportslive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know TotalSportsLive.com. 
When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect dancers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. From best in the world sports and those sports live, you are listening to the best in the world sports report. And we are back on best in the world sports report. John Brown, Mike Jones here once again, thanking you for listening. Check us out every week on soundcloud.com slash BITW Sports. We're on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Just search the best in the world sports report or best in the world sports. And you can hear us every Saturday morning on phillygoflow.com at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is 8 a.m. Following the Reggae Sunrise Show preceding early morning 80s. So once again, you get your dreadlock music and you get your jerry curl music. And then in between is John and Mike, John Brown, Mike Jones. And once again, check out my man, Mike Jones on 101 with MJ every Friday morning, 8 a.m. on Free Agent Radio and every Friday afternoon at noon, Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. West Coast Time on SeattleHipHop.com. There you go. Now I got, look, if there's one thing I can do, it's plug stuff. All right? Look, I'm, look, I am a hustler. I got businesses to run. And y'all going to hear about my businesses everywhere you go. You see, my, you see my best in the world sports report hat, right? There you go. I, I will get on TV wherever I can with my best in the world sports report hat. <laughs> Look, and I'll get you one too. I I, I just got to save up some money because these joints weren't cheap. Stuff ain't free these days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. But I'll get I'll get you a hat eventually. All right. I just got to get on the block and just start working again. I I got <laughs> I got to do that. Anyway, Eagles, Eagles. last week. It, it, it's it's crazy because the Eagles played on Thursday last week, so mm-hmm. it just feels like that last game was just. Like it was a week ago. Yeah, it was a week ago. Feels like a month ago. But we're just talk we're just starting to talk about it now. Beating the Giants 34-13. Game really wasn't even that close. Um just dismantled the Giants. And a point that you had been making about the Eagles all season long was that it just looked like the Eagles weren't having any fun. Not at all. And what a difference a bus trip to New York makes, or excuse me, New Jersey. Yeah. A bus trip to the Meadowlands makes Absolutely. because it looked like they were having a lot of fun on Thursday. And when I say they they were having fun, I don't just mean at the end of the game, you look at the final score mm-hmm. and you have fun. Yes. But throughout the course of the game, mm-hmm. you look back to last year, the Super Bowl season, mm-hmm. you would see the team during the game they get an interception, they yeah. get a fumble, they Holes make a play, yeah. they score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Everybody's out there They're hugging the electric, and celebrating, doing the electric slide. slide. Yeah. Like they were having a good time mm-hmm. playing the game. And that was a piece of this team that I saw missing until mm-hmm. this Giants game this year, which is when you'd actually see not just at the end of the game, but during the game. Yeah that emotion that they actually look they were having fun playing the game, mm-hmm. which changes everything. It changes everything. So let me ask you this. How much of that is was the Eagles playing good, things just working, you know, things just on all you know, all cil- cil- all cylinders, whatever cliche you wanna, you know, you wanna throw out there. Mm-hmm. 
how much was that with just the Eagles just clicking or were they just playing a team that was just utter trash? Because you see what the Giants are doing. Right now, this week, uh, the owners out there uh, has spoken. He's coming out against uh, uh, Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham's doing interviews with Lil Wayne talking about Eli. You know, it, it, it's a mess. Well, I'm going to leave Odell alone. Really? Why? Because this time a year ago, everybody told me I was crazy when I said the Giants should trade them and get what they can rather mm-hmm. than deal with them. Everybody told me I was crazy. Look, man, I will never tell you you crazy. That's what. So, see, that just shows that you just been doing shows with the wrong guy. Y'all don't want to hear what just, I got to say about Odell. I give you a microphone. <laughs> Every week, I let you into my house. I give you a microphone, and we sit down and we talk sports. You talk whatever you want. You think the Eagles, you, excuse me, not the Eagles. You think the Giants should trade Odell back? I'm not going to tell you. It's too late now. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave him some. They, not only did they, they not broke trade the bank. him. Yeah, they backed the truck up for him. Mm-hmm. So they backed the truck up for a dude that your owner is now speaking out against, telling him to shut up and play. How's that going to play out? You, you have very little leverage now because you can't trade him. Exactly. Can't cut him. Exactly. How much dead cap space you going to have if you try to get rid of Odell? A ton of it. A ton of it. You're stuck no, with him. Exactly. And thus, which makes – beating up on them so great for the Eagles. That's why they out there having fun because <laughs> the team that they're playing was a dumpster fire. But now they got to go out next week. They have to go out on Sunday and face Carolina, a Carolina team that mm, – You trust their quarterback? Do I trust their quarterback? hmm Yeah. Why? Because he's Cam Newton. That's my point. How – you saw the game Pet Carolina played against Washington last week? Yes. When you needed Cam Newton to make a big play down the stretch, how'd that go? In that game, it didn't go well. How, okay. How's Cam Newton traditionally done versus the Eagles in his career? He struggled. Mm-hmm. Cam, Cam Newton is a 6'5 Michael Vick. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is that he has all the physical tools. Mm-hmm. And when he's on, he's probably the most dangerous, most exciting show in the league. Mm-hmm. But he's only on five, six minutes a game. That five, six minutes a game could be enough to win because he's mm-hmm. dangerous. He's explosive. But you contain him through that. You get through that little stretch where he's hot. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have much else for you. How, do, In your eyes, how do the Eagles contain him? How do you do that? What do you do? I'm I'm giving you I'm hand, not only am I handing you a microphone, I'm handing you the coach's hat. I'm handing you the big uh, the big headset, the coach's hat. You get the different shirt than the other coordinators. You are now the coach. You are no longer Professor Mike Jones. You are Coach Mike Jones. All right. On the other side of the field is Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. In layman's terms, no. In the words of Denzel Washington in, in Philadelphia, explain it to me like I'm a six year old. How do you beat Cam Newton? My defensive line is playing contain. Mm-hmm. We're keeping Cam in the pocket, force him to beat us with his arm. Not just force him to beat us, but force him to beat us with his arm. I'll take my chances with that all day. I hear you. So given that, do given that and how the Eagles walked away from that Giants game, do how confident are you that they can maintain that momentum going into this Carolina game? At home? At home against Carolina. 
Carolina coming off a loss in Washington. Traveling to Philly. I'll give the Eagles 83% chance to win 83%. this one. 83%. So let me sp- let me kind of let me let, let me set this table for you, all right? I brought you in the uh, take the, take the coach's hat back off, all right? All right. All right, give back the headset. Take off the coat. You you just regular old Mike Jones again, all right? What's happening, man? Thank you. Good to see you. All right. All right. Let me set this table for you. Mm-hmm. Cuz this is something this is a something that that I talk about on this show. Eagles have a chance for some get right. All right? Mm-hmm. Get right is an opportunity to right this ship. I'm looking at a home game against Carolina, who might not be as good, and have Cam Newton on the other side. Mm-hmm. They then go to London and pl- and play a Jacksonville team that got absolutely embarrassed last week. Mm-hmm. Then they go into their bye week, and then they, they and then the cow- and then you have Cowboys. This is an opportunity for three quality wins. You saw them fine quality. They're three wins. Okay. Fine. You want you want to take away you want to take away the word quality quality. I mean, they could end up being quality wins. Okay, but based on those That's, teams, I'd say calling quality it quality is not a, calling it quality is not a sticking done. point. Okay, okay, calling it quality okay. is not a sticking point. But the bottom line is, they are three and three right now. Mm-hmm. They have a chance. They have a good chance of going against when they when they travel to New Orleans to play Drew Brees and the Saints, and even the Saints. And I'm not even calling the Saints. A great team. Saints defense looks like it regressed this year. Okay, but nonetheless, they have a chance to go into that game at six and three. Mm-hmm. That's some, that for me. That's what we like to call around here on Best in the World some get right. You know, yes, they struggled at the beginning of the at the beginning of the season. They're trying to figure some things out. There's some injuries, and there are some question marks. But what you have in front of you is a chance for some get right. You know, I mean, do you agree? I guess that's what I'm trying to ask you, my friend Mike Jones. I don't know. I, I think I disagree. Okay, but you always disagree. But, not, but that's why I bring but, you here. But, but not, okay. not for the not for why you think. Okay, it's. I would almost call it get right, mm-hmm. except that I don't necessarily think it was really a matter of them being not right before as much as it was a matter of them being not healthy. Okay. It was even because even after Carson came back, Ajayi went out, mm-hmm. Clement missed a game, mm-hmm. Sproles has missed a few games, Peters is hurt again. Peters is always hurt. Yeah. Um, I'm missing I, I, somebody it's, else. It's, it's crazy. It's, Alshon it's, didn't come back it until. Was a couple, it was a couple seasons ago. Jason Peters hurt himself in a game and got carted off the field. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I now, – now it's it's become more commonplace now because out of precaution or whatever. But I saw him get carted off the field and then come back the very next week. You know, up until that, I felt like my entire life, <laughs> you see a player get carted off the field, you know, you're thinking his career might be over. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see that, it's serious. And, like, the first time I saw Jason Peters, like, it happened to him. He's like, oh, my God. Jason Peters just got carted off the field. What, what, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? Oh, yeah. And they then, put the big guys on the cart. Yeah, yeah, they put the big guys on the cart, and then they're, like, 
post game, yeah, yeah, Jason Peters will be back. Sprained ankle. Yeah, sprained ankle, whatever. Three hundred pound guy who wants to help yeah. carry him off the field, get the cart. Mm-hmm. No problem. I mean, I have no problem with, but I was just saying he was the first guy I ever saw get carted off the field for what ended up not being a major injury. Okay, but nonetheless, I guess I, I, I'm, I'm back and forth with him. But in the end, I have I feel like he he's a player who's earned my trust. Whereas if Jason Peters says he's good and he's good to go, then. You put him in. Okay. You know, I and I understand that might even be a flip-flop for me off something I've said in the last four shows. <laughs> because once again, as a fan, I reserve the right to flip-flop. I reserve the right to change my mind. I might change my mind in the next 15 minutes. But nonetheless, it's like right now I'm not worried. Okay. Okay. That might change. Might not, but at this point, it's like okay, he's who we have, and he's probably hurt or not, eighty-five percent, a hundred percent, whatever you're getting out of him, he's probably your best option. Do you agree with that? That Jason Peters is your best option at left tackle. A healthy Jason Peters isn't the best option. Isn't? Did you say is or isn't? A healthy Jason Peters is the best okay. option. Okay. Okay. Que- question is, I don't know how healthy Jason Peters is. Okay. Because a 36-year-old with a quad injury mm-hmm. and now a bot bicep. torn bicep mm-hmm. and who who knows whatever other little nicks and yeah. little aches and pains a 36-year-old offensive lineman may have going on. It's, it's likely Jason Peters won't play a full game the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a quarter or a half, or he's gonna miss time. He'll be in and out the game. Mm-hmm. It's just what what to expect, which is not something I really like. Not because I don't want Peters in the game. Mm-hmm. I want Peters in the game. I want Peters in the game as much as possible. But if Peters in the game as much as possible comes at the sake of continuity and consistency mm-hmm. now I have to start looking at it and saying to myself once Vitae actually had a couple games to be consistent mm-hmm. he looked much better last year he didn't look good the first game they put no, him in no he looked completely lost the first game they put him in but once they developed some continuity mm-hmm. he was he was very solid I'm not going as far as to say very good he was solid oh, yeah Good you didn't good he, enough. You didn't have to bring help to his side every time. Would you say good enough? More than good enough. Okay. If, if I don't have to bring a running back or tight end to your side chip every time, and you're not getting beat every play, that's more than good enough. Okay. There you go. Well, there you go. So, but you're concerned about Peters' health, but not so concerned that these next three weeks can't be some. These next three games can't be some get right for the Eagles. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that I honestly expect a healthy Eagles team Mm -hmm. to beat up on the Panthers. I think Styles versus Jacksonville will make it an interesting game, Mm -hmm. but Blake Bortles is still their quarterback and Carson Wentz is still ours. And the Cowboys are the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. So... 
before the Saints game. That's the one team I can't remove my fandom from. I hate the Cowboys. You shouldn't. That's the one team I will never I remove. Believe, I, I hate believe, them. I don't. You've believe. never heard me say that. What? Well, but that I'm go, I can't remove my fandom. I always try to be I don't objective. Feel like I, look, man. Like, I, I hate the Cowboys. Object, objectivity is for rich people, man. You don't, need, <laughs> you, you don't need that. Whatever, man. Hate the Cowboys. Just hate the Cowboys. Hate the Celtics. Hate the Red Sox. Hate the Mets. Hate whoever you gonna hate. You know what I mean? It's all good. It's all sports. I ain't going. I'm never gonna meet anybody from the Cowboys. You might. And if I do, I, t- I tell them straight up. Like, look, man, you know, depending on who it is, like, look, I hated you. No, I just hate the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And you had a Cowboys uniform on. Mm-hmm. You were a Cowboy. Okay. And I hate the Cowboys. Okay. I don't. Look, there's man, no confusion know, to that. No, I understand. If you're a Cowboy and I hate the Cowboys, mm-hmm. we don't have to specify you got that star on. I'm done. Okay. I hate you. I, who else do you? Is that is that the only team you really hate? Mm-hmm. Really? That's it. You better than me, man. I got a whole list, dog. Like when like, I was a kid, mm-hmm. before I knew better, mm-hmm. I was a 49ers fan. Mm-hmm. Not because I wasn't an Eagles fan, yeah. but because the 49ers would well, beat the Cowboys. But here's the thing. All right, all so right. I like the 49ers because you, they could beat the Cowboys. You said the, you said the key word when you started the sentence, as a kid. Because mm-hmm. to me, having another, having a secondary team is for kids. I don't, you know, I, I don't mind that. I, you know, it's possible. You know, I had plenty of teams when, I, you know. You know what? If the Cowboys were a great team now mm-hmm. and the 49ers could beat them, I'm cheering for the 49ers. <laughs> no, I'm cheering. I understand. I, just, I I completely understand. Like, I hate I hate the Cowboys, too. There's, there's no, you know. Like, if, if we're in week 17. Uh-huh. And we need the Cowboys to win for the Eagles to get in the playoffs. You're still cheering, cheering against the Cowboys, mm-hmm. or you're just mad? Are you just mad? I might not even watch football that day because I can't uh, cheer for the Cowboys. Uh, uh. No, I understand. I completely understand. I hate the Cowboys too. Hate the cow. But for me, I, I I can eat. It is easier for me to spread my hate around. Like I hate the Cowboys, hate the Celtics, hate Duke. Those are the top three. You know, Cowboys, Celtics. Duke, Lakers. That's my Mount Rushmore of hate. That is the Mount Rushmore of hate right there. See, I respect the Lakers. I don't necessarily like Lakers fans, but I respect the Lakers. Mm-hmm. No, nah, I hate the Lakers. Now, see, that that's the thing. Mm-hmm. I'll dislike some fan bases more than I dislike okay. the team. Okay. Because the fans are the ones that it's appeal all inclu- my nerves. It's all inclusive to me. I hate, you know. No, nah, because I might actually respect the players like the style of ball think, that the team well, plays. I say, well, I I think hate and, for me personally, I think hate and respect are two different things. Like like I can like for me like I respect Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. but I hate Kobe Bryant. I respect Kobe Bryant's you know one of the greatest, if not the greatest, ba- basketball players of all time. I, I respect Kobe Bryant. I like Kobe Bryant. I will never be smart. Why are you looking at me like that? I was okay when you said one of the greatest. And then you threw in that if not the, as if there's a chance he's actually the greatest. Okay, well, look. Well, you're an MJ guy, right? Of course. Okay, all right. No, no, no I understand. I understand. All right, no. I hate MJ, too. Respect him. He is, he's the GOAT, too. Mm-hmm. hate him. That's, that's fine. You know, who else? Uh, Magic, hate him, too. Respect him. Respect him a great deal. Mm-hmm. Respect him. Met Magic Johnson one time. Lost my mind. Couldn't believe it. 
couldn't believe it. I was in Atlanta. My very first, my very first job working in television mm-hmm. was at the '96 Olympics in Atlanta. This is like the early parts of like TV credentials, right? Mm-hmm. So the credentials to get around the Olympics in Atlanta were very generic. So if you knew your way around, you could get into almost anything with just some regular credentials. My brother and I were production assistants. Our event was equestrian. <laughs> we were working the equestrian venue. Mm-hmm. But our credentials looked just like basketball credentials. So we realized this. So the very, I think we went to three, two, maybe three basketball games. Okay. It just sat in the, uh, in the press in section. The, in this press section. You know, my I was, I just turned 20. Uh, I believe my cousin was with me. She was 22. And my brother was 17 at the time. Okay. Completely ignorant to the rules of press boxes and everything. I'm 42 now. So I understand how, you know, decorum for press box, you know, press box decorum. I understand it. Didn't know that when I was 20. So I'm (laughs) saying I'm in the press box, being loud, cheering, being ignorant. I look back, I've I've shaved myself, but it is what it is. You you realize the people in the press box are there to work, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) I I realize that now. You know, hindsight being 2020, (laughs) I'm saying I realize that now. When I was 20 years old, I did not realize that. I got you. you know growth. I thank the Lord for growth. Mm-hmm. You know, but nonetheless, we when we get there because we're we're real nervous about what, whether this will work because we we have no backup plan. We're just like, all right, we're gonna go down there. We're just gonna show our credentials and we're gonna walk in and we're just gonna act like we belong there. All right, we get in there. My cousin is like, <gasps> and I'm look like, yo, you gonna get us thrown out of here? You got to calm down, yo. You, you got to relax. And then she just points, and I look up right there, Magic Johnson. Come on. Magic, what's up, man? 20 years old. I did not realize it. It was like, whatever. And he came over. He gave us some dap. We kept it moving. But still. You were in the press section, though. No, no. At this point, at uh, this point, okay, we're did. we're getting to the press okay. section. Now, right, now, 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 granted, look, my behavior in the press section was not much better. <laughs> All right. All right. It was not much better. It, 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 it granted, like, this is something because, you know, I work, I, I still work in television. My brother works in television that we look back at now in a lot like, yo, we just real young and ignorant at, the, at this point. But we got into a couple of games and I think they smartened up because. Like the first time, the first time, the first time we did it, you know, we, we were all we put on our full uniform or whatever, so we would blend in. Second time was like, all right, whatever, you know. I, I put on like half my uniform, like I put on the shirt and still had some shorts. Third time we tried, I'm like, whatever, I'm just bringing my my press card. We're just gonna go, and we didn't get in. <laughs> they finally smartened up and kicked us out. <laughs> and but the thing was, this was the night. You remember the bombing? Mm-hmm. This was the same night. So me and my brother, we went to the park. We went to that concert. Mm. And that concert was whack. So you left. So we left. And in the time it took us to get home from the concert was when the bombing went off. You know, I got 
It's not here it's in the other room. I got pictures from that concert. Like, we went and everything was cool, whatever. It's like, yo, this is whack. I don't want to be here. I wanted to go to the basketball game. We didn't go. It's like, you know, it's like, yo, this concert's whack. Let's just go. And, you know, like Atlanta, like you've been to Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like at, at that point, you know, you had to get everywhere using public transportation. So, you know, we didn't drive in, you know, we took Marta. So we had to take Marta out, out you know, and you know that everything is, everything that's popping, you know, where everyone lives is not in Atlanta. Everyone lives around Atlanta. So we had to leave Atlanta to go home. And then the time it took us to catch the subway, go get our car and go back to our, you know, go back to where we were staying. That's when we came home. We like, yo, there was a bomber. Like, yo, we were just there. We had just left. It was crazy. But nonetheless, we went crazy. I saw Magic Johnson, lost my mind, embarrassed myself. That's my press story. <laughs> that's 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 my story. All right? But it's all good. Hey, yo, let's get out of here real quick. Uh predictions for Sunday against the uh against the Carolina Panthers. Against the Panthers. Give me give me a score. Give me give me a result. Let me get my pencil and my, my pen out so I'm, I can write this down. I'm gonna give you the Eagles at home. Yes. I'm going to give you the Eagles with 27. And I'll give you the Panthers with And you guys hear me 12. writing it down. 20. Oh, 12. So they don't even. So, so, Four field goals. Oh, they don't even get in the end zone. Okay. Okay. It's Mike Jones saying 27-12. I will say 30 to 17. Okay. 37. You know what? No, 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 no. 30, 16. One touchdown. One touchdown, three field goals. 30 to 16. They don't they don't score twice on the Eagles. 30 to 16. There you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the best in the world sports report, aka story time with John. <laughs> My guest, not even my guest, my co-host, my main man, Mike Jones. Thank you, my friend. What is going on? I've, I've said it twice on this show. One more time. When can we When can we hear you? You can hear me every week, every Friday morning on the East Coast. Your morning ride to work. Get yourself situated. Yes. Whatever you're doing at 8 a.m. Yes. Eastern Time. Yes. Check us out on freeagentradio.com. You can get that on the TuneIn app. Yes, sir. I, I listen, that's how I listen. Or... One of if, my favorites. If that's a little early for you, mm-hmm. you can ch- check back a couple hours later, yes. 12 Eastern, 9 Pacific, on SeattleHipHop.com. Yes, sir. Same show. We'll run it right back for you. That way, East Coast, West Coast, we got you covered. Mm-hmm. All right. There and you, you can check me on Twitter, Jonesy, J-O-N-E-S-Y underscore L-J-R. You can miss, catch up with some of the good conversations me and John are having yeah, on there, all, too. Yes, yes, because... Everything like, everything we disagree on here on this show, we most definitely will disagree on on Twitter and probably be more pointed in our arguments. And you'll also hear me say Jason Tatum is the best player on the Celtics roster right now. Okay. Well, I won't argue with – well, you know, I probably will argue with that, but you're not wrong. <laughs> you're absolutely not wrong, but I probably will still – I will still take that bait and argue with you just because but once again hit us up on facebook instagram twitter anytime you want at bitw sports let us know what you think about this show also if you are on facebook join our facebook group philly sports and hip-hop 
for the culture it's called philly sports and hip-hop hashtag for the culture join in in the conversation we're talking philly sports and we're talking hip-hop thus the name of the group anyway also follow us facebook instagram twitter at bitw sports also you can uh let's see download the podcast soundcloud.com slash bitw sports or on apple apple podcast and itunes just search the best in the world sports report my name is john brown that's mike jones who mike jones <laughs> he's not with it. he's not with swisher house he's not with uh slim thug and, and and paul wall and all those dudes he's he's, he's here with me it's all good. Mike Jones, John Brown, Best in the World Sports Report. We'll be back next week. Shout out to my man Javon and Angela. One day they'll be back. I don't. I don't know when. We gotta get them back. We in gotta here. get them I back in here. Yeah, I miss them too. Maybe if they're listening right now, you know, come back, please. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back next week. Peace, y'all. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Gold.